You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Welcome to another episode of Cultivate. This is a show about you and your journey in the cannabis industry. It's moving fast, but there's room for everyone. Buckle up as we bring you the people and the technology that are blazing the trail. We got Drew, Benny, Lance, myself, Scott, and we're here to talk about kind of where cannabis is going in 2018 and the future, talk about some of the technology behind it, um, the ways it's consumed, and just everything surrounding that. So let's jump right in. So I'm Lance Lambert. Uh, I come from Northern California. Uh, I was actually a criminal justice major and never thought I'd get into this industry, but entered the industry in late 2013, early 2014, first working for The Cannabis, which is a new site based out of Denver, Colorado, uh, specifically focused on the cannabis industry. And then uh, more recently, I spent time as director of media operations at Weed Maps and publisher of Marijuana.com. And and I'm I'm an advocate. (laughs) (laughs) And... And... Hello, my name is Benjamin Patok. I'm from Germany. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yes, outstanding. Berlin, Germany. Uh, born and raised in Frankfurt, though. And um, I was basically like my my roots are in you know like internet startup, you know, type of type of thing. So I'm an entrepreneur. I, I built a couple of companies. One of the last ones being uh, in, in tobacco. So that's how Boboda. That's, that's that's how I met Boboda basically, because I uh, built um, probably one of the biggest um, online retailers for cigars in in, in Europe. He's and being modest. I think it was the biggest. It was yeah. by far the biggest. <laughs> it was enormous. We had the prettiest people, you know, and the smartest <laughs> CEO. <laughs> CEO. <laughs> it was so smart that I, I actually I quit um, because I just didn't like my day job anymore. You know, I like to build things and this is why you know and since i got to know you guys and i've been such a big fan of boda i use it every day so this is like one of the easiest decisions you know and i'm taking i'm helping you i'm taking care of all international relations especially in europe um and i'm happy happy to be here and now of course you can force me to be on podcasts all the time which is we're excited to have you here and you're and you have a family i have a family yeah you're married and you have a young son yes and you're married yes so we like to get that out of the way because we get a lot of calls uh, from uh, anyway. Let's move <laughs> on to the next. Uh, yeah. So it's all. It's just. So Drew, you have to take over the big lifting. You know, it's yeah. Yeah. It, it's so we will have uh, German <laughs> subtitles for the podcast. I think you'll be doing yeah. those later. Yeah, this is what you also forced me to do. Yes. Das ist <laughs> good. Das, das ist, ist good. good. I love the German accent. It's very yeah. authentic. Uh, so, Lance, you, uh, you brought up a subject about the quote would be the day that a price of a barrel of oil became lower than the price of a keg of beer. Yes. It changed the perspective of Texans. Correct. So in the cannabis world, so take that wonderful analogy and let's talk about uh, changing... Uh, attitudes and perspectives in the cannabis world, generational changes and also uh, social changes in the different states. Definitely. So that was uh, the quote that you're paraphrasing. There was exactly what we were talking about was how it's interesting that this industry really does bring all kinds of people, all walks of life together. 
Um, I mean, just a case in point, you know, Benny and I would not have met if not for this industry. Um, but that's really a big part of what the culture is surrounding the plant. Uh, it's always been like that. And as much as I am embarrassed to say I made fun of hippies growing up in San Francisco, they were really onto something. They were really onto something as far as community, holistic, more so barter than monetary and, mm-hmm. you know, just just sustainable. Also, yeah, yeah, just sustainable and, and recyclable and everything about it. But uh, specifically on that um on that quote, I was referencing when working at the cannabis and it was within our first year, you know, we launched late 2013 in preparation of, of the legalization of, of adult use on January 1st, 2014. Later on that year, uh, when looking at the analytics, I noticed a bit of a change in myself having at one point in my life invested in energy stocks, uh, still keep an eye on them. And I saw that the price of crude oil barrel was dropping, dropping, dropping. And uh, it did get to a point where, well, I mean, we're talking sub $47 range, which is insane. That's less than half of what FMV fair market value is today. And so all of a sudden I started seeing traffic coming up, 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 up from Texas. So I called my friends at Dope and I called my friends at High Times and spoke to my friends at MG uh, and my friends at Marijuana.com at the time. I said, are you seeing the same thing? Because all of us in media, we're all friends. You know, it's, it's a small pool uh, focusing on cannabis. They said, yeah, you know, we're seeing up there with New York, with L.A., with San Francisco, with Miami, with Colorado. We're seeing Houston, Dallas, and it never left. That's the thing that's interesting. To this day, still, uh, for Marijuana.com, I always saw Houston and Dallas uh, up there on the list. I mean, like, fourth, fifth place, not ninth, tenth place kind of thing. Uh, So, yes, I mean, people can say Houston is the fourth most populated city in the country. That is a factor. But I think that speaks volumes on the fact that even people that, if it's only for monetary uh, they're seeing the value in the, what we call the green rush. So oil, of course, was a black rush. We had the gold rush and everything else, but we call it the green rush. And there's plenty of friends that would go down for functions and events because there's a lot of uh, connection between Texas and Colorado. Uh, and they said they're getting pulled aside by these, these guys that were big-time investors and asking them, what's going on in Colorado? How can I get involved? Uh, so I think it's interesting that um, you know, it's one extreme perspective of it. The other, again, is uh, the children that their parents were spending and betting everything to move to Colorado in order to get um, the medicine they needed for their children. Because Western medicine, I won't say Western medicine failed them. Uh, Western medicine just didn't have a solution or an answer for their ailments. So uh, you have those that, again, are on the monetary, on the capital side, and then you have those that are on the more so the free the plant and yeah. the holistic side. Especially if you think about you can grow this on your own if you wanted to. And that's you that's have, what frustrates. You know, it's, it's, yeah. This is, of course, why big pharma is against it. Exactly. Right? So you have that cure maybe right there and you can just grow it in your backyard. Yeah. yeah. It's know? yeah, it's it's tough to grow, you know, ambient and you know, oxycodone and, and all the other drugs that are used in excess in this country and better parts of the world. That's exactly it. And then you have companies, even, you know, big tobacco, big alcohol. I mean, yeah. all of them are yeah. like, wow, this like, is... Instance, I'm from Germany, yeah. you know, of course, like the beer lobbyists, they're strongly against, you know, legalization of recreational cannabis, right? Yep. And so a recent article just came out last week. Uh, for those states that have legalized cannabis, they've seen as much as a 15% drop in alcohol sales. And for me, I still partake socially, which is fine. But quite honestly, it's I, I don't have time for alcohol. 
I mean, I don't have time for lack of sleep and I don't have time for hangovers. And with cannabis, that just does not exist. And oh, by the way, I'm doing something that helps my body. You know, I had, I got, and this is a sign of getting old, just give you guys a heads up. I mean, I'm still young, but I got diagnosed with diverticulitis. But but you don't, you don't show it. It's (laughs) It's the faux hawk. Um, (laughs) I, I got diagnosed with diverticulitis, which I thought was something synonymous when you get older, but it is something, you know, it's just an infection of the intestines and uh, they gave me two antibiotics and I could not eat, which is kind of counterintuitive to antibiotics. So it was killing, I mean, it really, my stomach and I, I ride race motorcycles and, and go swimming. I mean, I'm very much an active guy and, and I don't easily get queasy and uh, it was kind of put me on my ear. And I had these friends, uh, Billy and the crew down at uh, Pure Ratio in San Diego, and they gave me some samples. They gave me an 18 to one CBD patch that uh, claimed to have a 96 hour time release. And I put it right on the, the infection was just below my ribs right here, my rib cage. I put it on there within a half an hour, wasn't queasy. I didn't, stomach wasn't hurting, wasn't in pain. I would, at, at that point, that was another one of those pivotal ahas. And I'm like, wow, this, it's, it's not smoking mirrors. It's yeah. legitimate. So know? I get people way, shout that, out to Pure Ratios. Pure Ratios. So <laughs> Love I, uh, Pure Ratios, is that what you said? Pure Ratio. Yeah. So I get people all the time. We travel the world doing uh, shows. We, we go to a lot of trade shows. We go to a lot of consumer shows and, and B2B shows. Um, people will say to me, oh, yeah, the cannabis, uh, you know, that whole pot business has ruined Colorado. And I'll be like... <laughs> is that so? You, you should see the schools. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You I should mean, see the roadways. But this yeah. is... There, there's a false narrative that's yeah. being promoted in our society about the social ills of cannabis. And there's um, a whole group promoting that, so you know. And there's a group that actually is infiltrating a better part of the politics, specifically in Northern California, with that same kind of campaign, that same smear campaign. That you, oh, this is doing this to the the ecosystem. This is doing this to um, to the land. Grapes do more damage, yeah. believe it or not. Well, from the good a viticulturist thing is, when perspective. once it's legal, you have access to all the numbers. Actually, yeah. you know, before when it's in the black market, as it is in Europe, you know, there's nothing. You don't know anything basically now. Because I spoke to Jane West. Hi, Jane. And, uh, and, and she's located in Colorado and at Canafest in Prague, you know, and she pulled up some numbers, you know, that like um, adolescent usage went down, actually, you know, and, and interestingly, like the, 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 um, the prices for property around dispensaries went up because they're getting so much tourist traffic coming, to, you know, and stuff like this. So all of a sudden you have these, these numbers that you can actually track, you know, because you... You can have, you can track every sale, you know, because of the yeah. of the taxes that are attached to it. And not speaking about the money that you make, you know, now as a state. Yeah. You know, opposed to hundred million dollars. I yeah, remember when we hit just, Colorado and it did not take long. We hit a hundred million dollars in taxes. I mean alone. That's huge. That's but huge. another another fact, again, if you want to look at uh, long term effects. Uh, and I believe it was the cannabis as well that did a story on this, uh, a drop as high as 25% in opioid overdoses in legal states. So again, take that in for a minute because that's something, I mean, the, the monetary gain is phenomenal. I loved when I seen the schools, the infrastructure, they're building homes for the homeless in Colorado. That's a program a lot of people don't know. They're building, um, and I'm not talking about section eight, like literally these are homes, qualify or not, if you're homeless, they're actually building residence for homeless. With the first graduating class last year, here's another one for you, from Pueblo High School, each child got an $8,000 um, grant to go to college. $8,000 that came from cannabis taxes. No. And if you so fly into just, Denver, the cranes are everywhere. Oh, yeah. The building yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah, it we really just, is. We just got back from uh, 
the uh, Emerald Cup in Northern California. And if you, if anyone that complains environmentally about the impact of cannabis, if you go to the Humboldt County Growers Association, if you go to the, uh, the groups in Mendocino or Sonoma County and you look at any of their materials, everything they're doing is sustainable. Exactly. Everything they're doing is yeah. green. Um, there's a commitment and there's an underlying ethic about taking care of the environment and it's working. Um, exactly. It's just remarkable uh, what they're doing. So I, I bring it up because um, so, somewhere along the line there has to be some, some pushback to the, um, not to use a cliche, but the fake news yeah. about the impacts of cannabis because it's far less um, uh, of an impact on society than alcohol, and alcohol is yeah. ubiquitous in our society. I mean, yes, it's so everywhere. So. Yeah, yeah. So, in Europe, um, even more so. Yeah. Yeah. So Can technology and ways to consume. Should we go there? Yeah. Yeah, I think you have some examples too. Yeah, I do. I think it's I think it's a great topic because uh, we discussed a little bit of stigma, you know, thanks to uh, programs like Dare and such. And I think there's a lot of people who just don't know. I mean, we could do a series in itself educating the potential end user. And so a good example is the fact that everyone thinks you have to smoke. So that's one thing that we we're battling a little bit with legalization across the country. Here on one hand, and I can speak firsthand, going to, again, going to College San Luis Obispo, that was the first city in the state of California to make smoking in public illegal. So that was 1990. So it's been something that's been preached for some time that smoking's bad, smoking's not good for you, and I don't necessarily disagree. Um, you know, that's the way, though, that everyone thinks you consume cannabis in the only way. So I did bring a few examples, and um, again, these are things that maybe are a little more synonymous with the medical market, but if you are looking to um, move away from alcohol or move away from ibuprofen for pain, uh, these are perfect for you as well. And so one of them, uh, and you'll hear this a lot in Northern California, you probably did, is tinctures. So um, this is a little relief tincture, very small, little drop it. It's a three to one uh, ratio, as we say. So it's uh, three parts THC to one part CBD. So that is something that for those of us that are a fan more so on the medical, we would think of that as more so a recreational uh, uh, compared to if you had a three to one stack or a four to one stack on CBD, that's more so the medical. But the fact that you can just use a drop. Uh, another is is vaping, which has become very common around the world. Uh, this is a, a little more modern technology. Most of the pens that you see out there uh, for consuming by oil or what we call 510s or 510 thread. Uh, this is actually a Paxera. So, I mean, literally you've got, this is a, a 500 milligram pod, as they call it, and you just plug it in. I mean, the, the technology, it's you know exactly, yeah. yeah. You know how much energy, you know what heat level, all the and rest of it. what do you do with that? That plugs right into your hard drive? So, <laughs> yeah. And you download it? Funny you mention, I, I, I was... Print it out, <laughs> roll it, then smoke it. Yeah. I was at an event, and I do carry this just because it's so easy and just to educate, to talk about. Um, I was at an event, and uh, I did get frisked. I mean, it's just something they did. They didn't have wands. It was a, another country at isn't as advanced. Uh, so he came across this in my pocket. He asked what it was. I'm like, oh, it's just USB drive. Okay. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what it looks like. <laughs> that's what it looks like. So um, it does utilize, you know, just a plug on the end. But this thing, I mean, you go without charging it for weeks. I haven't charged this for two, two and that's weeks. that's a vaping it is a vaping device. So what it does is uh, just that, thanks to heat, it does vaporize the oil for consumption. Uh, the thing that I do like and I recommend for people getting into uh, possibly consuming is utilizing a pen because it's very accurate in its dosage. So you know if you take one hit, wait 10 minutes. Take another hit, 
wait 10 minutes. You know, you really want to pace yourself because uh, the way that cannabis is absorbed, um, it is at different rates based on how you consume. Who made the little tincture? Oh, so these guys, this is Papa and Barkley, uh, really cool guys, another company out of California. And, um, you know, obviously this is empty because it's not something I could bring to another state. But I think still just a really good good example is something that it's, you just put a drop, put a drop in your tea, put a drop in your soda, you know, whatever it is you're consuming or two drops, you know, and you're done. That's it. No smoking, no hassle. So what's people, your, go ahead. I was just going to ask, what's your favorite form of consumption? Um, so a lot of us, we break it down based on convenience. So for me, from a convenience standpoint, again, uh, being a bit more on the medicinal side, uh, I like, there's a, what I call a triple stack pill and a multi-stack pill. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I use. I use a pill that yep. is predominantly CBD, has a little bit of THC, uh, to help with absorption. And I take it about an hour before bed. If I want to feel like I had a glass of wine or two, then maybe I'll consume it two hours before bed. And it's just a perfect, you get a little bit of that heady, but again, mostly it's body. I can literally, the weird thing is I can feel it in my knees and my ankles. So I can feel it where the pain exists. It's really hard to explain. It's almost like putting a little bit of Ben Gay, just a, just a hint mm -hmm. on the spots that bother you yep. and you just feel it working. And then it just, and then it just goes away that, that kind of tingling. So, uh, so that's my way of consuming, but it is nice to have the vape. I mean, it is something where if you are feeling again, like a, a friend, I have friends with anxiety as well. Uh, and it just for them to be able to have that one tap and be done is perfect. So that's why I'm a fan of carrying the pen. Too. Okay. So hypothetically, if I have a friend who's 56 year old, healthy adult male, yes. Um, or oh, is living in Europe where it's illegal. So that would be a friend as well, maybe. So, so <laughs> she's talking about a friend here. I'm not talking about myself. No, no. Wait, how um, old are you? You know, above average intelligence, relatively good looking. Um, but Solid beard. The silver where fox. Would you go, no, where would you go? Where would you direct someone to become educated or to become uh, knowledgeable enough to be able to get the proper credentials to get what you need to get or uh, participate in some sort of, what is the way to go from uh, a, a completely outsider to having some sense of what's going on and to safely uh, try some things and see if it's uh, uh, gonna work for you? I, I have one suggestion for our Canadian listeners. Uh, National Access Cannabis is a clinic up there, and they're huge on just the education and getting people that have never used cannabis, don't know anything about it. You go in there, they have classes and all of that. They get you your prescription and everything, and they'll just educate you so you know what you need exactly, and there's no question about it. But no, definitely. I'm not... There's places like that here in the U.S. Yeah, I think the education, that's what I did. I mean, it was kind of a forced education because, again, being on the media side of this industry, that was part of my job, was staying up on all the information, all the news and the companies, the movers, the shakers, um, the personal stories or what we call patient stories, which really do hit home. Uh, so that's I do recommend doing your homework. The Internet is our friend. I mean, do look out for fake news and propaganda, but uh, there's plenty of sites out there. You know, that uh, I am biased. I do like the cannabis because 
that being a news site did come out of mainstream news. So they follow what we call SPJ Code of Ethics, Society of Professional Journalists. So uh, the information and news that they convey, they try to make sure is as factual and accurate as possible. Uh, the same for the Californian, uh, the same for when I was with marijuana.com. We really want to make sure we covered the facts. And 50% of what most of these sites do cover is news and education because that's the interest. They do get in a bit to culture and, and other things as well. Um, but definitely going on the internet and there are experts on there that that do like to share their news and in their educational information um, so that's what i'd recommend as far as getting your card it does vary from state to state because again keep in mind that there's only so many elements of this uh, industry that are national let alone international uh, so i mean mmj online is the company i utilize for re-upping my medical uh, but some people are a fan of uh, hello md or you know there's several different even ease i think can help you out with that so there's platforms out there, but do take the time and learn. I mean, it's it's not like you're trying to grow because that's a whole other education. Yeah, you know, that's where you go to the Jorge Cervantes and the and the Ed Rosenthal books of the world, and, and that's a, a really. Um, I know people are going back to college to study, and not just here. Ran into a, a couple in um, Ilif in England that were going back to school to study uh, ornamental horticulture so that they could learn about the grow. That's a totally different thing. But as a consumer, just educate yourself. You know, and I do recommend there's so I, I think it might be a good transition and maybe that's what you're thinking into the way we consume. Right. So that's another thing. And, and I'd love to hear, you know, Benny's take on how many of these things are common on the other side of the pond. But out here, you know, a lot of people, the only time I ever hear someone say, uh, I thought I was going to die. It's usually followed by this one time when I ate an edible. So I do recommend steering clear of edibles if you are a beginner. Uh, while the dosage might be accurate, and it, it very much is if you're buying it from a trusted resource, not from your buddy who makes brownies in his kitchen, uh, the dosage is spot on for a lot of these companies now. You really can, like I love Sweetgrass Kitchen out of Denver because they're all about the low dose. And Julie, the owner, she saw a need for low dose before the rest of the industry did. Everyone was doing what we call a race to the top in the world of THC. So people are coming out with, and I mean, I like Incredibles and Dixie and the rest of them, but they're coming out with 100, 200, 500 milligram. And here she went the opposite direction. She came out with these little, these uh, little chews that are 2.5 milligram. And that's what I tell people who are beginners. I'm like, think of 2.5 milligrams as a little bit less than a glass of wine, maybe like four ounces of wine. You pop a few of those and you're good. Um, I do recommend that because the, the average dosage, the standard as set forth by states like Colorado and Washington is 10 milligrams. And if you'd never consumed before, I would not give you 10 milligrams. Yeah. <laughs> I would give you two and a half to five milligrams because, yeah, you'd be like, that would be your worst experience. Just like my, my mom saying that, you know, she doesn't like tequila. I'm like, well, just because you partied one time in Mexico and got over the top doesn't mean you'll never drink alcohol again. Right. So uh, I'd say, again, the safest is uh, is obviously, you know, vaping. Um, or some sort of measured, again, like a tincture or or something in the alike, but uh, but I would stick away from edible. And that's the thing people don't know about this plant. It can be consumed. I was talking to another scientist, and he's like, Lance, the reason why it's, it's hard for us to come up with pesticides and herbicides that address the issues of this plant is because, unlike other crops, it can be consumed every way you can imagine. So it can be consumed topically. It can be consumed sublingually. It can be smoked. It can be vaped. It can be eaten. It can be utilized as a suppository like Tommy Chong has done to fight his cancer. So every single way you can imagine it can be absorbed and there's not very many things out there that aren't natural that you can fight the pests on this plant that you can absorb in all those fashions. So, And we've had people tell us at the booth that if they were to have a combination of uh, ways to consume it, 
they can come up with, uh, what is it, the decarboxylized version that goes through your... Yeah, so that's the thing that, yeah, not to geek out, that's the problem is, uh, so the absorption rate varies. So when you do eat a a consumable uh, product, you're only actually absorbing about 40%. So uh, that's one thing to factor. But another thing that people don't talk about is THC, as far as its uh, chemical makeup, is converted because of the acids in our stomach. So it's a different type of high, for lack of a better term. Uh, but exactly, you're getting into decarboxylation. So Benny and I could go grab an ounce and split it and make a, you know, make something out of it. Let's does, say does just put it in our cereal, mean, yes. right? If we put it in our <laughs> cereal, we don't cook, hypothetically, hypothetically yes. um, if we put it in our, sprinkled it on our cereal or sprinkled it on our toast, um, we could consume a half, we could consume an ounce each. And actually that would be healthy. I mean, as far as what the plant has to, has to offer, it'd be healthy. But that's because it isn't decarboxylated. So if we do go and pick up an ounce and share it and it's been decarboxylated, which turns THCA, THC, that's your conversion, which pretty much makes the one cannabinoid that's a psychoactive, it activates it. So uh, if we did do that same thing and heated it to decarboxylate it, we couldn't, we'd be tripping. <laughs> we would be on our ear. So that's a good point you make is, yeah, there's some people that they put it in their um, smoothies. They treat it like sweet grass, but it's expensive. If you think about, you know, that's some of these doctors are saying, yeah, do an ounce right a day of, of fresh squeezed cannabis. <laughs> and that's a day. I mean, even on the, you know, swag in a bag side, you're talking a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> that's an expensive. It's so interesting to hear because in, in Europe, obviously we're not at the same level, you know, because it's, most of it's black market, right? So you, you don't have that level of sophistication because this comes with the amount of money you can actually make legally, you know? That's, 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 that's just the way it is. And we don't, of course, we have people that are breaking cookies, you know, stuff like this at home, but we don't have like the same. I was amazed by the range of edibles that are out there. It's just incredible. You know, we, we're not at the same level. You know, people, like most of the people in Europe, they just smoke a joint. Yeah. You know? And, and yeah. mixed with tobacco. And that's, that's, that's what a, we do. Yeah, we that's what I was going to say, too. They spool over there. And that's one thing that Americans, it's, um, this is one of the least popular places to do it, whereas Europe is the most predominant, and Australia, South America. But they actually spool their weed, which essentially means you know they, they blend. So they'll blend, um, I don't know the ratio in Germany, but yeah. most of my friends... They'll it's do a good job 20. by the tobacco companies, you know. It's, it's yeah, like, I mean that that's that is what's crazy is I mean that's why I was surprised that Zigzag was one of the last companies to really embrace. Yet they were one of the first to be that solution for rolling a joint. But I just now finally saw them at a champ show a couple of months ago, and it's like, where have you been? Raw's been yeah. eating your lunch because yeah, exactly. Raw said no. What we're making papers and products specifically for this industry. But yet, Zigzag, you're the original. You know, we talked about that with Totino's Pizza Rolls. So I was telling him, you know, some Totino's Pizza Rolls, they embraced 420. And they actually did this really cool root-style marketing campaign along with a mainstream media campaign during uh, a couple of 420s ago in Denver. But then you have Hot Pockets, which I hate to point out the obvious. Sorry, guys, but that, that's another quintessential stoner food. Yeah. They want to acknowledge the industry. It's like Taco Bell has... The fourth meal. What do you think they're talking about? There's yeah, exactly. Not, they aren't saying a fourth meal is healthy. They're saying when you're high and you're hungry, we're here for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I love the companies that do embrace it. And that's what helps us get rid of the stigma and the taboos when, you know, companies like that and, and doctors and scientists and chemists take this serious. They take the industry serious. And when Hollywood stops putting out all these. Oh, my God. You nailed it. The stigma, the I mean, Spicoli stigma, as I call it. Yeah, it's very frustrating, you know, no matter if it's Kumar or Pineapple Express. I mean, there's so many shows that, 
you know, I'm a consumer and do I look like I have memory loss or that no. I have a lack of IQ? I mean, that's a thing. That or that I, you haven't showered in three weeks. Yeah, exactly. And so that's a thing. And I think that's why the industry has embraced me because I'm very much an advocate. I won't say I'm an activist because I'm not out protesting, but I am an advocate for it. But I think they appreciate the fact that I show that I can be a functional, successful human being and still consume this versus other things out there. So, well, and I'm an advocate, but I don't consume. I mean, which I love just, even more. That's just my personal preference. Yeah. Um, and what I uh, encourage, I mean, it's a freedom thing to me. Yep. You know, to have the uh, right to make decisions for your own welfare and to uh, the amount of good that's potentially coming out of this movement as far as, you know, I'm really sensitive about addiction issues, so people that can get off of opiates, that's a huge deal to me. Um, you're enjoying episode five of Cultivate the Podcast with Scott and Drew, Lance and Ben, uh, brought to you by Bovida. And if you have more questions, you can find us on social media at Bovida Cannabis on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, hashtag Ask Bovida. We will respond. And uh, this has been fun. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Welcome to another episode of Cultivate. This is a show about you and your journey in the cannabis industry. It's moving fast, but there's room for everyone. Buckle up as we bring you the people and the technology that are blazing the trail. Did anybody ever call you Drew? No, no, I'm not a fan of Drew. That's uh, in school. Me either. I went by AJ. Very few people have ever called me Andrew. <laughs> what do you go by? True. Like forever? I've always been Drew because my real name is Earl. <laughs> <laughs> we are live. Live, yes. We are live. live at 164th in Cleveland in Redmond, Washington at Origins, Origins Cannabis. Cannabis. I had it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't forget where we were. Oh, this is exciting for us. It's exciting for us to be in your building and to see your operation and and to get a load of your brand and to feel the vibe of being here. It's uh, it's awesome. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for coming down. Really appreciate it. Right this is Andrew, by the way. Scott, Drew. Thank you. Andrew, do you want to introduce yourself to everyone? Um, yeah, my name is Andrew. Um, I'm down here at Origins Cannabis. Uh, been in medical, transitioned over from medical to recreational. So it's been a great ride. Uh, love my job every day. So this is a different feel than a lot of uh, dispensaries or, or retail operations that we've been in. It's a really well-considered brand. You've put a lot of time into building the brand. Can you talk a little bit about the story behind Origins and why it is the way it is and what's so special about it? Yeah, the brand itself means a lot. You know, there's a, there's a lot of love that went into the brand. Um, it's really about changing the perspective of cannabis. You know, that's what the brand stands for. When you wear that origin shirt and you're walking down the street and you see somebody else in an origin shirt, it's that secret society of saying, oh, what's up, how you doing, and knowing who they are. So for us, it was all about how do we get the customer into the right product from the very beginning? Uh, so we worked with Confidence Analytics to develop a system called the cannabinoid ratio system, which compares the ratios to THC. Therefore, a customer can get the same experience every single time they come into our store. And then it's categorized into lifestyles. So it makes shopping really easy if you're an expert or if you're a newbie and you want to try it out. So I had, I felt this way when I walked in that this is very unique because no matter 
if you're a novice or if you're uh, somebody that has some knowledge of what cannabis is about, maybe a little bit of experience, or if you're an expert, there's a entrance ramp for anybody walking into this environment. The way you're greeted at the door, the way you're treated, uh, the way they walk you through the process, uh, the, the way the, do you call them bud tenders here? Cannabis guides. Cannabis guides. Yeah, the awesome. reason for that is they, they get a lot of training, you know, a lot of training and putting people in the right products. So we look at it as they're guiding you to the experience that you're looking for when you enter the store. So this is a great place for a person to come that's curious about cannabis, that wants to understand what the effects of different strains are, different approaches to how you're gonna ingest cannabis, whether you're gonna smoke it or vape it or, or uh, topical or uh, edible or you name it. So th there's a there's a entry level for every uh, appetite and for every level of expertise. Absolutely. Well, is that fair? And a lot of dispensaries are very overwhelming. So you walk into it and you feel nervous and it's like, what is going on? Where am I? You're kind of lost. So when someone walks in here, it's very warm and welcoming. And it's, like you said, it's easy to find what you want. And the people here are great. So it's it's a fun place for sure. Remind us of what the website uh, address is. OriginsCannabis.com. So I went on the website and you have a, a, a tool on the website where you can actually move a, uh, a, a dimmer switch or you, you, you push a button and it causes you to go across a spectrum of different categories of cannabis. Can you talk about the different categories and how people plug into those categories? Yeah, absolutely. So the categories are developed for an experience. So we have categories, self-discovery. Um, it's gonna be an intense high, like more of a meditative high. And then we have our adventurous, which is gonna be uh, a ratio that's gonna get you stimulated. Like, you know, cause not everybody consumes cannabis at the same level. Some people smoke it before they go on a hike. Some people smoke it to go to bed. So they would use our after hours. Um, we have our social, which is just a really social, giggly, uplifting, stimulating cannabis. And so those lifestyles allow you to be able to come in and pick the right kind. That's awesome. So uh, one of the questions I had when, when you uh, conceived of this space, when you came up with this brand idea, uh, what is it about the Pacific Northwest that you guys are really owning in this space that's so, that feels so, so like home? I mean, there's a, there's a vibe here that I picked up on walking in. Can you talk a little bit to the, how you guys designed that? Yeah, so I mean, the vibe really was about the Pacific Northwest. You know, we spend a lot of time, you know, out in the Pacific Northwest enjoying nature. And we wanted to bring that vibe right into the store. So you walked in and you felt like you were in Seattle. You felt like you were part of what we're trying to grow. That's awesome. Can you explain, I want to hear this from you, the transition from medical to recreational <laughs> and kind of went into all of that? Yeah, you know, that's that was a ride. You know, we went from uh, police officers knocking on the door saying they're going to search our premises. You know, we started in a closet and then we went from a closet to a house and then we went from a house to two houses. And then we went to our first dispensary, which is medical. And we opened the doors to the public. Um, you know, and that transition was amazing. We, we were able to see individuals come in and use cannabis uh, for medical reasons. And when you see something like that transformation happen in real life, there's no going back. You know, you're sold to the industry and you really believe in what you're doing. Um, and, and that's something you just can't, you can't get anywhere else. Yeah, that's awesome. Can you uh, talk about pesticides and, and the approach that the company has had to uh, pesticides and what people can count on when they buy 
their cannabis products from Origins? Yeah, absolutely. So for us, you know, the, the product is one of the most important things. It's, it's, it's equally as important as the experience. Um, and pesticides play a huge part in cannabis. You know, cannabis has never been clinically proven to cause cancer or anything else. And, and the fear is that one day it will because of how we're allowed to use pesticides in the state. Um, you know, for us, we make sure that there's only neem oil, waters, there's a couple of other organic pesticides, but we go through and we do independent tests every quarter on certain products. Our origin certified product is actually test for that lot to ensure that you're not getting pesticides. So you bring up the idea of origin certified, and I know when I went on the website, that's there's a lot of focus on the origin certified, uh, the naming and the, what that uh, really means to the customer. Can you? Talk about what that means. Uh, what what is the standard that you've created with Origin Certified? Yeah, so the certification that we went through is is really because there's not one out there. So for us, it was about being transparent. We wanted a customer to be able to come in, know exactly what they were getting and how they were getting it. Um, so we test it for pesticides. We do a full terpene profile, and again, that's for the novice or that's for somebody that's learning. We want you to be able to understand it. So you get your terpenes, your cannabinoid ratio, and a pesticide test when you purchase that product. Awesome. And, and building off that, what, what else separates you from other dispensaries? The ratio system is definitely important. I mean, that allows you to come in and get the same experience. You know, right now in the marketplace, this is an immature marketplace, right? So if we're all growing Blue Dream and we have different phenotypes, we smoke it, it's going to give you a different experience. And unfortunately, there's no DNA testing on these plants. So you can actually grow a Blue Dream. And if it's not selling, you can change the name to Gorilla Glue and put it on the marketplace. Right, so you're getting a very inconsistent experience from a customer side. Yeah. So for us, it's that transparency, that ratio allows you to identify that exact experience when you come in. So it's irrelevant if it was Blue Dream. You can find something else that's equally as good. Awesome, very cool, awesome. We can't thank you enough for allowing us to come here and to uh, enjoy your space and to do our podcast from your space. Uh, the welcome that we've received has been warm and uh, really impressed with your operation. Thank you so much i know you want to get john into the flow too so yeah absolutely john and I, does. I have one more question do you have any big plans for 2018 anything you guys are looking forward to um this upcoming year you know we're, we're really looking forward to growing the brand and help set the standards in the marketplace we're going to play a little bit more of an active role throughout the industry to try to develop systems that are going to be a little bit more uh, impactful than what we have seen through the marketplace right now awesome looking forward to it awesome thank you andrew thanks and thanks i'm gonna bring john and he does all the uh sourcing for our store very yeah. cool. So when he referred to it, he talked about the curating. He was the curator for the different products in the store. So this will be interesting to get into. Because I did you wander around out in the yeah? Show there's floor? a ton of different stuff, and I it's it's mind blowing. How do you how do you pick and choose and and go through all that? So be fun to hear from John. And here's John. John, can you introduce yourself and explain to everyone what you do here at Origins? Hi, my name is John Sherman. I do the product curation for Origins Cannabis. Um, my job is beautiful. Full-time, I drive around to all of our grow partners and source the best cannabis in the state. That's awesome. Yeah. And you've got uh, a brand that you've built. You've got uh, clothing. You've got uh, coffee. Can you talk a little bit about the different ways you reach people through the lifestyle uh, that, you've, that you've created in the brand? Certainly. So first, I mean, as Andrew kind of touched on, it's creating something that's palatable for the new consumer, but then something that's also backed by science. So that was, that was the approach that we're taking. And then we want to use the brand origins to leverage, you know, in other fields, coffee, um, you know, and other ways of kind of propagating the message. 
And it's all premium uh, quality product orientation. Everything about the brand experience is quality. Everything's premium. I mean, that's the thing that's so appealing to us. Um, our, our brand is a premium brand. We're all about maximizing people's ability to enjoy their passions. That's the ethic behind our company. And it really feels like we're at home. This is like we're at home around our own brand, uh, the same kind of uh, wholesome, uh, constructive, uh, kind, respectful. You know, when, when Andrew mentioned the love, I mean, you feel it when you walk in and you look at the way it's, the products are displayed and the way people explain them to you and the way that people treat people around here. It's spectacular. So is that all part of the... Yeah, you know, we we do see the, the the premium aspect, but we want to be very approachable as well. We want to be somewhere where where everybody is feels welcome. Um, we have standards in place, um, and we want it to to truly kind of be that environment where you'd feel comfortable bringing your mother to. Yeah, um, and that's really know, what I felt walking in here was like I said to Andrew, you can feel really overwhelmed when you walk into certain dispensaries and people aren't very nice. Um, and you don't get that here. I mean, it is very welcoming and, and warm, and it's oh, just a fun place. Totally. Yeah, I, uh, I've, I've been able to witness so many interesting things since I've, since I've been here. I mean, there's times I've been sitting back in the office, and I look out, and I see, you know, a grandmother with her granddaughter holding hands up at the front counter. I mean, yeah. who, who would have ever thought that day would have come? I right. mean, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty magical uh, thing, I mean, for especially probably for the granddaughter to to take grandma to get some some arthritis cream or you know some CBD medication for uh, you know for whatever that that ailment may, may be. So back to the products, how do you pick certain products to put into your dispensary? What's the process for vetting out certain brands and products? Do you have a team here that all tries it? Is it just you, or just kind of explain that whole process? Sure, sure. So what we do is, I mean, first off, it's it's going to the grows. It's it's building relationships. I think that's that is so key to to know your farmer. You know, know what they're doing, understand them, go in there and and, and appreciate the people that are trimming the bud to the people that are growing the bud, because that all just creates a better product for for origins. I feel. Mm -hmm. um, so so keeping that full circle thing intact is is incredibly important. Um, it's so easy. I mean, there's there's a little bit of an imbalance of, of product here in the marketplace where there's a ton of producers and processors and not a lot of retailers. Yeah. I mean, the number of retailers is, is steadily growing, but there's still uh, a, a great imbalance of, of product supply and demand. And uh, and so with that uh, comes a you know people knocking on your door constantly trying to get product in there. And and so what do you what do you do and how do you react to that? Um, I spend three days a week just cruising around to different grows going in, checking out their practices, um, reading into things, even to the point where we will assess a grow room with how many lights are in there, how many AC splits, so we know how many tons of AC they're running in there, so we can really start to, to project quality over seasons. Um, there's a lot of underfunded gardens out there that are in, in places that get extremely hot in summertime. Yep. And, and we want to make sure that they have adequate uh, equipment to be able to control quality during those those seasons so so of all the products that you can choose from what percentage of them actually qualify to be on the shelf at origins in in, in washington what of all the the uh the ideas that you see the salespeople that drop in the the uh, phone calls that you get what percentage of those end up on your shelf i think what's what's honestly a, a little to me is a little more important is the people that we do pick it's it's a, a very small percentage of even the flower that they grow that we curate from 
Um, they might grow 50 pounds of, of, of a particular strain. And we want to go there and select five pounds that were, were extra special. Um, we know that the, the quality is going to differ from where it's out on the plant. We know, um, I mean, being able to put our nose in the bags and, and, and actually smell the product and, and taste the product and just and not just look at numbers. That's yeah. fantastic. So you're doing a, a shopping job for the consumer, uh, going in with uh, an eye for quality, an eye for understanding what really makes great cannabis. And you're picking that out and, and doing the hard part for the consumer. They come here, they get to see the best of the best. The, the uh, premium quality uh, strains from each of these different farms that you've taken the time to curate. That's just fantastic. Yeah, there's there's nothing hard about it. It's just, it's just, do you, love your, oh, it's, do you I, love your job? I love it. And I came from, you know, previously I came from the, the wine industry. Um, I worked at a few different wineries here in Woodenville, Washington. And I spent a lot of time going out to vineyards and, you know, working a, a similar situation where you, you go down rows of vines and you know, you you have to take those those grapes back and make make phenomenal wine out of it. Um, and so, I'm kind of kind of reliving what I went to school for. And uh, yeah, you know, I can and, see there's a lot of similarities there between totally. the wine industry uh, and the cannabis industry. So it's it's cool and it's fun. And I think uh, as it progresses, it will turn more into the wine industry, and you'll have these really high end brands that are maybe even doing long-term storage or different things. And it really, uh, I mean, you, you get the, the, what do we call it? Canna sewers? Canna sewers, yep. yep. And it's fun to see that, so. Yeah, so kind of going, I guess, back into some of the procedures as far as, you know, vetting gardens prior to bringing them in. Um, that, is a, that is certainly one thing that we do. We have we have all of our gardens sign an affidavit that's just kind of stating that they, that they do. Uh, they follow all the practices by the state of Washington. Yep. And then the certification is is far more rigorous that talks about, you know, growth hormones and, and uh, you know, it, it kind of mirrors the organ uh, tilt standard. Very cool. That is cool. So it's a level of quality and a level of um, brand that people just aren't used to in this business. Uh, what kind of feedback are you getting from your customers in, in the store? Are you hearing about it uh, firsthand? Are they coming back again and again to frequent your establishment? Uh, uh, do you have a loyalty program that you you promote in the Origins brand? Yeah, yep, we do a uh, we do a loyalty program based on your visits. Um, and as Andrew touched on earlier, what is, you know, that transparency leads to loyalty. And I think that there's a lot of a lot of low-hanging fruit currently in this market which will come around and bite people in the butt. And so we uh, we certainly don't we want to, you know, we want to get in front of that, be transparent from day 1. Yeah, doing the right thing and things will always fall into place. So that's awesome. Yeah. So for those of you who are wondering where we are, we're in Redmond, Washington. We're at 164th in Cleveland at Origins Cannabis. And we're really grateful to have the opportunity to come here and hang out with you, John. Have the conversation about how you built the brand, how you curate the product for the store. Uh, phenomenal job, and it's just a great vibe. It just it feels like home for us. Yeah, and we uh, we appreciate what Bovid is doing for this industry, and uh, you know we need more companies like yourselves to to come in and and really start to create that craft in this yeah. in this market. So thanks for what you guys do and, and continue to do. Yeah, no, we love working with you guys. It's been uh, nothing but a pleasure. So yeah, and what I think too, you know the the don't buy dry. Uh, we we ran a campaign just to touch on real real briefly. Um, we ran a, uh, a campaign called Friends Don't Let Friends Smoke Bad Cannabis. <laughs> and what we were able to do is we were able to take um, products that, that people bought in the marketplace that 
that they didn't that they didn't like, whether they bought it at Origins or they bought it at another store. They could bring their empty package back to uh, to a, to an Origins, an unlicensed premises, to return their empty containers. Mm -hmm. And there we would help un help us understand what it was that they didn't like. And so they'd fill out a quick little iPad survey, and it was it was we were blown away by what the results were. It was because their product was too dry. And so when we circled back through and we started to look at some of the testing standards, what we realized is that um, with a lot of the, the microbial testing in the state, people would drop their moisture levels significantly so that they would pass tests. I mean, there was even cases of, you know, hearing people microwaving things before they take them to a lab. Wow. Um, so that, that moisture content was, was completely off what people weren't used to. And, you know, from that, that's where we really started to kind of, you know, learn and research Bovida. And we were like, you know, this is, this is a solution to a problem that we have mm -hmm. because of, you know, the way they've, they've got testing set up. So, um, but customers don't want to buy dry. And so we've, uh, we've definitely uh, realized that. And I mean, there's, there's just absolutely huge potential for you guys in this space. So the so. whole conversation last year was about seed to sale. And what's happened this year because of the competition and because of the way the business of cannabis is maturing is it's become from seed to satisfaction. Every brand is starting to care about the end user. It's not just about what happened to get it sold off of your dock and into the marketplace. Uh, it ends up being about the individual at the other end of the system that is taking your product off the shelf, uh, buying it, having an experience, uh, and, and deciding whether or not they're gonna be loyal to that brand. So uh, the extra care and concern that you guys are putting in, it's obvious in everything that you do around here that you care deeply about the people that you're impacting with the cannabis products that you sell, with all the, the uh, uh, clothing and the merchandise that you sell, with the coffee that you sell. I mean, it's all, it's all a, big par a part of a bigger picture about caring about people. Mm -hmm. And you can feel it. Yeah, you really can. Lance Lambert, ladies and gentlemen. Fantastic. It's our first remote. We're at Origins Cannabis in Redmond, Washington. The reason we're here is because Lance knows just about everybody in the cannabis business and has joined Boveda as the head of our cannabis section. Welcome to Cultivate Lance. Thank you. Thanks for having me. DJ Roman. <laughs> you went there. So what is happening? So one thing that I thought I'd offer up is just a little bit of an industry update on what's going on. Something uh, always keep the team uh, abreast to and wanted to share with our listeners as well. Um, a lot of things going on, though, domestic and international. So kind of breaking right into it to share with you guys uh, some big news coming out of the South. You know, that's a, definitely a part of the country. It's been a little behind the curve, uh, not just re with respect to the adult use, but also to a certain extent, the uh, medicinal side of the industry. So um, actually I have some legislation getting put in place in uh, Tennessee and Georgia, um, trying to move forward medical, which is a big win. Uh, there's actually quite a bit of growing that goes on in the, the Southeast that people don't know about. So that's kind of an interesting thing to hear. Um, our friends to the North as well, Canada, which, uh, you know very much about that market. Yep. Uh, one thing that, again, we've been so busy with the industry here in the States that uh, Canada has been going after it. 
big time. And Trudeau, who came into office uh, just a few years back, uh, that was a big message that he had, just like the new governor, governor of Jersey, uh, that he was really coming in with marijuana, with the fact that he wanted to legalize cannabis at a whole other level. And uh, so a lot of stuff coming out of deals that uh, some of the larger LPs up there, like Tilray and Aurora, uh, they're partnering with not just other companies, uh, but they're partnering with other countries. So partnering with the likes of Italy, with Greece, uh, conversations in Australia, conversations in South America, Germany, around supply, Germany, Israel, so in Germany, uh, Israel's another one. So uh, the fact that we're a little behind the curve in that respect, uh, but it's great to hear again that the expansion is moving to an international space that much faster. For the uninformed viewer that doesn't realize Canada is actually free to pursue this industry with some federal support. Yes. Uh, which we don't enjoy in the United States because our uh, federal government still lists this uh, plant as a Schedule One narcotic. Yeah, something I never understood, a fast fact, being a criminal justice major in college and studying all schedules of, of drugs and narcotics, uh, that never made sense to me back then. And people ask, you know, did you really question that? And no, I didn't because my two teachers in that that major were an ex-sheriff, L.A. sheriff of 18 years and an ex-LAPD lieutenant of 17 years. Uh, so the fact that this is what they knew, you really didn't question it. But it never quite fit compared to opioids, PCP, and uh, Molly, MDMA, things like that. If and when the day comes that the United States changes the code so that we're actually supporting these entrepreneurs and in uh, building their businesses and serving the world, in the meantime, Canada gets to take advantage of that Yes, without, without our interference. <laughs> Very much so. And that's the thing that it's a big deal because you're talking about um, several provinces that are all on the same page. So people don't understand while Uruguay was the first country technically to legalize as a, as a full country cannabis, uh, for Canada to come on board from an adult use standpoint from essentially New Brunswick or Nova Scotia all the way to Vancouver, BC is a huge undertaking. Because, yeah, while it may be only 10 provinces, uh, that's still about 36.3 million people populace that had to be swayed a vote to majority. Now, don't get me wrong. We have, we're at, uh, between who you talk to, mainstream or, or industry-specific uh, media outlets, you know, the acceptance rates in the U.S. anywhere, between 57 and 59 percent. So we already know that the vast majority have spoken, but we know that that doesn't always uh, dictate what ends up as an outcome in politics. For the U.S. So Canada's recreational uh, freedoms will go into full effect in July 1st. July 1st. That's what we're, yeah, we just heard about a month ago. They're a little, um, it's kind of up in the air. They're still going for July 1st, but there are a few things that Parliament brought up, uh, questioning around uh, some of the due process as it gets to the counter, so to speak. Uh, but they're still tentatively shooting for, for mid-year. So, yeah, big deal. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're broadcasting uh, the Cultivate podcast brought to you by Bovida. We're broadcasting today or podcasting today or whatever we call it now. Uh, we used to say <laughs> broadcast. Uh, but we're podcasting from the uh, Origins Cannabis uh, location on 164th and Cleveland in Redmond, Washington. Yep. And we're really grateful to be here. We do want to do a few shout outs, some thanks uh, uh, Angela and Kate and Andrew and Torian uh, that greeted us so warmly and took such good care of us today. We want to thank you. Uh, we want to thank uh, Andrew and John for taking the time to have us out here and spending the time uh, behind the mic and uh, talking about how you created this brand. Uh, we want to thank you for that. Uh, it's really a pleasure to be here. 
and uh, the first of our On the Road podcast with Lance. Yes. And in a great market. I just have to point that out. This is a phenomenal, the Northwest. A lot of people don't realize, I just have to continue the fast facts, right? So being from the Colorado market where I cut my teeth, uh, you know, they've got a fair population out there. But technically, Washington was the largest by populace as far as adult use up until California came online. It's a kind of interesting fact that we're talking about over 7 million consumers in Washington alone. They've been doing their own thing up here, but they've been doing it phenomenal. Um, and some of the things that are in play here are very similar going back to Canada, yeah. where essentially you have a non-vertical integration uh, assimilation, which in many ways makes sense. A little bit mm-hmm. of church and state. So yeah, what tell people what that means? Vertical so, integration. Yeah, there's a lot of buzzwords, especially about four or five years ago. You mentioned seed to sale was one that's really big. Like you, you say um, you have a different expression. Seed to satisfaction. Seed to satisfaction, and I call it seed to social. Because that's something that I like about this brand here. These guys don't just care about what happens when it hits the counter, but they care about what happens when it hits the consumer. And plus, when plus you also bought the website. That has nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'm a true, I'm a tech guy. All right, I'm a true believer. So, uh, but having said that, so vertical integration is an expression we use where uh, an entity essentially owns that product from uh, the time they put it in the ground until it's harvested, dried, cured, packaged all the way up to the sale, to the retail side. So you'd own the grow and the processing and the dispensary all in one, exactly. under one umbrella. Yeah, which, you know, from a um, quality uh, standpoint, you know, it really does make it that much easier to manage. Uh, but flip side, again, with the industry up here, and, and I think these guys have done an excellent job of it. I don't think uh, AJ spoke too much about it, but they really command that quality even though they don't have full control. So they'll be working with their growers and making sure that it's as organic as possible and it's cured properly and that it's packaged properly and that it's presented properly. So um, that's something we really applaud them because a lot of entities out here, they just go, okay, we get what we get, we put it on the shelf and sell it. So for them to really adapt and make the most of a situation that is essentially, again, dividing church and state, similar you know, to what Canada is doing with LPs, uh, licensed producers, mm-hmm. um, LDs, licensed distributors, and then yeah. LRs, licensed retailers. Um, it's really nice that these guys aren't just, okay, we'll take what we can get. Because you hear about that in other markets. There's there's stores in Portland where my friends are growers in South Oregon. They come with a, you know, essentially 400 pounds and a huge duffel bag and go, do you want to buy this? And, and, and that's to the extent of, of the process. So, yeah, some cool stuff going on up here in the Northwest for sure. And it's time for hashtag ask Bovida. We've got a question from Angela Carson on our Instagram. This is kind of funny because we actually have a new campaign. Sorry, no, don't show it yet. <laughs> kind of around this question that Lance came up with. The question is, can I really use tortillas to help keep my cannabis fresh? That's a great question. Tortillas were used at one point, uh, actually anything that anyone could get their hands on that had any moisture to it, be it orange peel. Orange peels. Bananas, banana peels, apples, apple slices, yeah, maybe with a little cheese, yeah. delicious. Moist towels. Some people, um, I don't know who, use moist so, paper towels. So the new campaign that Lance thought up, Lance Romance, the new head of the cannabis section for Boveda, is keep your time. Uh, what's it say? <laughs> Save your tortillas. <laughs> and we'll leave for a Taco Tuesday. For right. college out of it because it's been two decades. You guys are killing me. <laughs> <laughs> So Jesus. no, you're looking right you could, at it. You know, here's here's okay. I'm not. I'm behind it. So it says Evos Stakos. Uh, oh, sorry, I'm reading it upside down. <laughs> so the bottom line is, we don't give advice. Okay, we do one thing and we do it really well, and we don't sit here and brag about how fabulous we are either. 
But the trip about Bovida is it's not about us. It's about you. Take our product, use it in your process, and come up with your own conclusions. Do your own case studies. Don't take the sales guy's word for it. Have your own experience and see how it affects the quality of the way your cannabis flower smells, smokes, feels, the whole nine yards. Everybody that we come in contact with, we encourage them, try it in your own process. Yeah. Don't take our word for it. And it works out beautifully because people have their own experience they become advocates for a product, and that's why things are going the way they're going. That's how I got here as a personal story. I mean, you guys, I've known you this from is a the great, industry for some time. This is a great story. Time. This yeah. is a great story. And uh, I actually happened to forget about an eighth in my trunk after doing a tour of a facility in And Colorado. for those people that don't understand what an eighth is at home. 3.5 grams. Okay, so it's an eighth of an ounce. Yes, eighth okay. of an ounce. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying. I didn't say dime bag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting into nickels and dimes. What's a dime it's funny. So we, that's a whole different tangent. <laughs> we had guess how much canvas is in a bag, and I told it is is a bunch of Gen Y, which is fine. I relate with them, but I was like, oh, it looks like a QP, and they're like, what the hell's a QP? And I'm like, uh, that's a quarter pound. That's what you used to call. When we were I totally dated myself. But I digress. So I did. I had I had an eighth of cannabis. That'd be an eighth of an ounce um, that was sitting in in the trunk of my vehicle for about four weeks, and I forgot about. It. And I thought it was done. I mean, at that point, when you do have something that's dried out that far typically and you're in la um yeah or, or colorado uh, at this point i was in colorado so it's dry yeah it, yeah, it was already <laughs> dry we, we've discovered that and uh it was excessively dry i mean you look at the wrong way it turns into what we call keef which is essentially when you just have crumble it just turns into to dust essentially and uh i'd run into you guys i think it was at a champs convention and i had some samples and i put one in there and sure enough two days later it came back to life but the thing that impressed me the most wasn't just your point it wasn't just the feel in the look but it was also even the smell i mean it literally brought it back to life so i became very much an advocate of of Bovida before becoming an employee of Bovida. Um, but you're right, you have to try it on your own. I did a side-by-side -side test too with a few other options. I didn't go retro into to lettuce and, and you know banana peels and such, but just from a not being a scientist perspective, I wouldn't want any cross-contamination from something else that, that's exuding terpenes. That's so that's one thing for everyone to know. It's, it's not a trick word. Everything has terpenes. A cinnamon stick has terpenes. Pine has terpenes. I mean, everything has these elements, and it's what you smell, and it's what you taste. And so if I'm putting a rotting banana peel that's going through what we call an oxidation process, and that's off-gassing into my cannabis, that's ruining something's quality. I mean, it'd essentially be putting like, I don't know, a five-day-old piece of cheese in with some Chopin vodka. Why would you corrupt something that somebody spent so much time and effort? But who, but who really hasn't possibly. done that before? <laughs> <laughs> in this country? <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, that, that's the thing. So that's why we came up with the campaign. I, I was flying into uh, Santa Rosa for the Emerald Cup, and uh, have met, I grew up in the Bay Area, so I have many friends that are uh, genetics or growers themselves. And uh, one of them said, what's that company you work at now? And I said, oh, I work for Bovida. And he's like, well, we use Mexican Bovida. And I said, well, what's Mexican Bovida? I didn't, like a knockoff or something? And he's like, no, we use tortillas. And I'm like, you know, it's the 21st century, right? I mean, <laughs> neither of us are old enough to go to Woodstock. So to give you an idea of demographic. And um, he's like, yeah, I know. It's just what I've done. And I said, just because it's what you've done isn't, isn't necessarily meaning what you should do. But same thing. I use the analogy of, you know, I could go wash my clothes down by the river, but somebody invented this thing called a washing machine. My God, it's awesome. I just throw clothes in it. It tells me when it's done with a little timer. Poof. It's so much simpler. It's the same thing with finding technology around this industry. 
you know, it's it's just an advantageous thing to do. So yeah, total tangent, but that's why we came up with that campaign and every grower gets a huge kick out of it because they know where it's coming from. It's a great, and people react to the shirts. Uh, we have, <laughs> we've run out of these shirts at shows all the time. Uh, save your tortillas for, for Taco, Taco Tuesday. Tuesday. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for joining us, listening. This is Cultivate presented by Bovida. What a, Scott, what would I do if I had a question that I wanted to have answered either live on the podcast or by a phone call or an email back from you personally? I would hashtag Ask Bovida on any of our social media platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, or email us at info at bovidainc.com. Thank you, Scott. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Drew. Thanks a lot, Scott, for thanking me. And Lance, thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. And thank you, Origins, <laughs> for letting us be here. This we has appreciate been a blast. All right. Fantastic. Right on. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.